Ephesians chapter 2. We picked up Ephesians chapter 2 last time and we looked at mercy and love. That if you need more mercy, you need greater love. That greater mercy comes from greater love. God's great mercy becomes because of His great love for us. We looked at grace and faith. That there are some things that are by grace, there are some things that are by mercy, and there are some things that are by faith. Salvation is said to be both, by grace and by faith. Through the grace of God and by our faith, we, we have salvation. And we looked at some of the things that were involved with that. But here we're going to pick up where we left off in verse 11 when he says, Therefore, and then he means the things that had come before. Therefore, remember that you, once Gentiles in the flesh, who, were, who are called uncircumcision by what is called the circumcision made in the flesh by hands. Now, this is not a real flattering term. Understand that. He's talking in what we would consider today to be very racial terms. And he's saying that you Gentiles, which made up a lot of different races, but as far as the Jews were concerned, if you were not Jewish, you were Gentile. And if you were not circumcised, you were uncircumcised. And so it's just, you know, it's either or. They didn't care if you were Asian Gentile or whatever other ones there might be out there. But they, didn't, they didn't care about all that. They, if you were Gentile, you were Gentile. You were not Jewish. If you were uncircumcised, you were uncircumcised, and you weren't circumcised. And so they would, you know, put you... You saw a lot of those racial attitudes with the Israelites in the days of Jesus. There were the Gentiles, which were despised. There were Samaritans, which were terrible. And then there was us. Now, Samaritans were a mixture of the Jewish race and the Gentile race, and they despised them for having mixed the races. They despised that. And so Paul is tapping in on this. He is writing to Ephesians. Ephesians is a Gentile church. But a Gentile church in Ephesus is made up of both Gentiles and Jews because the Jews were dispersed and went throughout all the cities. And so when Paul went and ministered there, he went first into the synagogues because the Jews had already come in there, set up a synagogue. And so he went to the synagogues and taught, and if the Jews rejected it, he would go over to the Gentiles. And that's how he started off. And we saw in some of his missionary journeys that Paul was going out and teaching some of the, uh, the folks, and the, the Jews, got all, some of them got upset, some of them believed, some of them got upset, and then they would just go around and just cause trouble for him. So this develops an attitude inside of Paul towards... Now, Paul is a Gentile or a Jew? He is a Jew. But he has a bit of an attitude towards Jewish people who do not believe. Because most, now not just anyone who doesn't believe, but particularly to the ones who don't believe and stir up trouble for those who do. He has an attitude towards them. Now, rightfully so. He's mad at them because they're undermining the gospel. They're not just content to be unbelievers themselves. They want other people to be unbelievers with them. So these are some of the things that go into when he's writing this. Therefore, remember that you, once Gentiles in the flesh, who are called uncircumcision by what is called the circumcision. Can you hear an attitude here? <laughs> it doesn't take a whole lot to hear it, does it? There is an attitude. You who are called uncircumcised, uh, uncircumcision, now, he's not identifying with this term. He's kind of distancing himself from this term. You guys, you were called this, not by me. Not by, I didn't do it. 
But there were those who called you uncircumcised by those who were called the circumcised. The article is there. The circumcised. We are the circumcised. Made in the flesh by hands. Now, he makes the distinction here because in the New Testament, Jesus exhorts, Paul exhorts, that we would become circumcised not of flesh, but of spirit. Circumcised of heart. And this is what he, he wants them to become. And so Paul is looking at this and he says, all right, these folks who are just circumcised of the flesh, who have not become circumcised of the heart, want to call you uncircumcised. Those ones. Now, I think Paul wants to get this attitude that he has towards these particular Jewish people instilled in those that are in his churches. The reason for it? Because these are the people who come around after he leaves and undermine all his teaching and the foundation that he's put in these churches so that they have trouble. He has to write over letters like Galatians. He doesn't like writing letters like Galatians. I am amazed at how quickly you all left the gospel. He's not happy with that. So he says, I'm going to try and prevent this and we're going to let you all know that this stuff is out there, that these people are out there and that they have an attitude towards you Then don't accept what they're teaching. That's basically what he's saying. Who is called the circumcision made in the flesh by hands that at, the, at that time you were without Christ being alienated from the commonwealth of Israel and strangers from the covenants of promise. So you were once Gentiles in the flesh you were called uncircumcised by what is called the circumcision of the flesh, not the heart. You were without Christ, aliens of the commonwealth of Israel. What in blazes is the commonwealth of Israel? I mean, if you were just to hear that term, the commonwealth of Israel, we, would th- we just kind of, we read this and we just, how many times have you just read over this? I don't know what that means, but it's, I'm sure it's good. <laughs> Paul's talking about it. It's, I'm sure it's good. It's yeah, the commonwealth. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. The commonwealth of Israel. Sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, those guys, uh-huh. Yep. We were, we were once aliens of the commonwealth of Israel. Once aliens, that means we're not now. So the commonwealth of Israel, is this a good thing to be a part of? Well, you were once alienated from it. We're, doesn't sound like we're supposed to be alienated from it. See, he's, he's making a distinction here. We've got the Jewish people. We've got the, the nation of Israel. But he's making a distinction between those who are of the circumcised of the flesh and those who are circumcised of the heart. The commonwealth of Israel, folks, are those in Israel who are truly saved. And you were alienated from that, he said. As Gentiles, you were once alienated from the commonwealth, the part of Israel that is truly saved. He's not trying to unite the Gentiles with all of Israel. Because there are some he doesn't want them to have any part with. Because they're of this circumcised group. You are uncircumcised. Good. You don't really deserve us to be. And you know, there's a lot of that attitude. That we, we think it's, you know, racism is a big thing today. It, it's, it's been something all through Israel or all through the world. It's not a big deal. It's no more of a big deal now than it was before. It's the same thing. Before it was Gentiles and Jews, uncircumcised and circumcised, Canaanites and Philistines and Israel. Now they're all, you know, having trouble with each other. And it's simply because Satan likes to divide. I heard somebody teaching this week. I was listening to, to, to something. I hadn't even thought about this before, but 
he was going back to the Tower of Babel. How many remember the Tower of Babel? <laughs> you weren't? <laughs> Man, I thought you were spiritual. <laughs> no, I wasn't there either. <laughs> we were there in spirit. Okay. But we, we read through the, the, the text. We understand what had happened. And they were teaching on this and they were saying, you know, I, I think that Satan learned something from the Tower of Babel. In the Tower of Babel, you know, they were building this big tower heading up to this good sky. And God looked down and says, you know what? It seems that nothing will be impossible to these people as long as they're one. And so he divided them. And it seemed that Satan learned a lesson. If we keep people divided, they don't go anywhere. Because up till then, it didn't seem to me in Satan's repertoire to divide people. He tried to unite them to do something for him. And he learned something from God. God said, no, let's divide them up. Ah, if we divide them, then... Oh. So it seems like ever since then, Satan's been always trying to divide us. You know, you've got one group over here and one group over there. You know, if it's not on, on based on skin color, then it's based on education level. Based on where you went to school. What country you came from. What job you have. Blue collar, white collar. Well, you're a blue collar. Labor union, non-union. Oh, you, you're a union guy? Oh, I thought I liked you. <laughs> Don't we have, we have that polarizing thing that goes on? And, you know, we have Eagles fans and those who wish they were. And, you know, great, great barriers can be built up on, on these kind of things, can't they? <laughs> we can have all these. Well, you're not with my team. Well, you're not with my work group. Well, you're not. And we have all these things and we get lost in it. And then we all go out there and we have, you know, we create things to, to talk about how good our group is. We all get together and we have pickets. We are of the union you are not of the union. Because every time there is division, we fight against each other. We don't move forward. We don't move forward. That's why we don't need it. We don't, we don't need it. Paul is saying, you've got to stop looking at the circumcision that's of the flesh. It's of the flesh. It's by the flesh. It's of the flesh. It's flesh. God wants to look beyond that. He's looking for the circumcision of heart. That's what he's looking for. I tell you what, when you hear Martin Luther King Jr.'s words, I think this is the scripture he was looking at. The character of a person's heart, not the color of their skin. Now, you can branch that out to all kinds of other stuff. But we've got to stop fighting each other over these kind of issues. This isn't right. Now, you know, if you don't agree with the president, you are racist. You know what? I've had a whole mess of presidents I don't agree with. And I've said so. And I'll say so about this one as well. I am not afraid of being called a racist. If I disagree with someone in principle, I bring up the principle. It's not a matter of a person. It's a matter of principle. If I agree with the president, I don't care if they're the same color as I am or a different color. I'll say I agree with them. I'll let it be known. But it's not a racist thing. But now we've got everybody hiding behind any criticism that comes up for this president and his policies. You are racist. That's not right. You can disagree with this one. It seemed funny that in the previous uh, election, certain people got up and said how patriotic it was to disagree 
Now suddenly it's not. And then if you do, then we all want to have fights and, and, and mess. You know what? We're all not going to agree on things because we're all in different places. You know, sometimes we see things clearly and sometimes we don't. How many times, how many things do you see now that you, oh, I see so much more clarity on that than you did five years ago? Well, you know what? Five years from now, we're going to have clarity more. So why in the world are we getting all in battles and, and, and things? We're not seeing, we may not see clearly now. We may have, we may be clouded. So why in the world should we fight and fuss about it? Why can't we just, you know what, I don't agree with that. Well, okay, let's go. <laughs> we can have some fun. I told you my, my best friend, best uh, doctrinal friend in college. We used to have some of the best. He's a Lutheran. And you know Lutherans and full gospel, we are in opposite ends. There is not really too much that we agree with. On too many, I mean, the, our services are different. The translation of the Bible that we go to is different. How we look at the gifts of the Spirit is different. How we look at healing is different. How we interpret almost every scripture is different. But we had some of the best discussions. And people used to, I think they would have, they didn't, but I think they would have paid money to sit at our lunch table. Because we had some of the best doctrinal discussions at the lunch table. Oh, and we, and we sharply disagreed on a number of things. And I didn't hide my beliefs and he didn't hide his. And we went at it with the word. In love. Say, we, and we did it in love. I don't mean that sarcastically. I mean, we did it in love. And we left there. Every time we had one of our little doctrinal things at the table, we left there best of friends. He's just a guy I would like to hang out with and just talk about stuff. He was, he was fun. To, but we didn't agree on a whole lot of things. You know, one time we sat, he sat down and says, I understand there's a lot of positions my church has that uh, you can't support too well in Scripture. <laughs> he understood that. And, and uh, yeah, I told him, I said, you know what? I just enjoy talking with you because whatever it is you believe, you have Scripture for it. You've studied it. You don't just believe it just because you were told to. And I just thoroughly enjoy that. Even though we don't agree on it, I just thoroughly enjoy hearing. Because you, you sharpened me. <laughs> and we had conversations and we'd sharpen each other. But we never let it become a place where we became disagreeable. We, we thoroughly enjoyed each other's fellowship. Before, during, and after. And we ought to be able to do that. We ought to be have, have simple discussions with people and we disagree on stuff. But not let it become a division. Because like the devil learned, if I can divide, I can keep you guys from doing anything. And the church is divided. The devil keeps us from doing things as a church. So the things we deal in this country with racism, the things other countries deal with with racism, Paul dealt with it in his day. Just understand, it does not have to be a difference in color of skin. They found all sorts of stuff to have racist ideas about. Because Jewish people had racist ideas with people who had the same color skin they did. <laughs> oh, I'll tell you what, we can just get into such trouble. But God doesn't want us to be that way. He says, look, this is all flesh stuff. Don't, let it, don't, don't bring it to spiritual proportions. It isn't. You were without Christ. You were aliens of the commonwealth of Israel. You were aliens of the important part of Israel. This is the saved portion of Israel. He says you had no hope. You had no hope. That at that time you were without Christ. 
Well, if you were without Christ, then you were unsaved, being aliens from the commonwealth of Israel and strangers from the covenants of promise. Now, we're going to get right back to that in just a minute. You're going to really enjoy this part. Having no hope and without God in the world. Without Christ, folks, we are strangers of the covenants, or the strangers of the covenants of Israel, aliens of the commonwealth of Israel, having no hope and without God. Without God, folks, there is no hope. There's really no reason for us to fuss and fight and, and get all excited about people that are unsaved and disagree with us and get all kinds of ideas because they have no hope. They have no hope. None. We do. <laughs> Glory to God. Having no hope, but we have hope. Without God in the world. But now, in Christ Jesus, you who were once afar off have been brought near by the blood of Jesus. Well, it says, strangers of the covenants from the covenants of promise. Do you notice the word there? Covenants is plural. Which means what? Now, don't answer this outside. How many covenants are there? Just, you know, inside. Just, just invite, inside voice. Thank you there. <laughs> How many covenants are there? And, and some of you, in just inside hands there, how many of you would say two? How many of you would say three? Four? Five? Six? How many have no idea? I see those hands. <laughs> well, there are four covenants. Four covenants total in the, in the Word of God that it's referring to here. The first one is the Abrahamic covenant. This covenant is the seed of Abraham. This is the natural race. The natural na race. Uh, uh, first off, uh, those numbered of the sand of the sea. There is a natural race of, of covenants. Those that are numbered by the sand of the sea. But there's also a spiritual offspring. And these are the numbers as the stars of the heaven. In Genesis chapter 12, and in Genesis chapter 15, this promise of the seed of Abraham is made twice. One time, God refers to the sand of the sea, and one time, He compares it to the stars of the heaven. There's a reason for that, because there are two descendants, two groups that are being talked about here. One are those that would physically come from His body. Which group do you think they are? Sand of the sea, which is of the earth. The second is the stars of the of the heavens. Which one do you think that represents? The spiritual ones. Because we are not... Jesus even said, all those that are born to Abraham, that's not... I'm not limited there. Don't think just go... You know, I can make out of these stones descendants of Abraham if I want to. And so the, the Gentiles are brought into the covenant. They are brought into the descendants of Abraham. And so we, as... I'm a Gentile. Right there. I'm a Gentile. Gentile believer. I'm one of the stars of the heaven. There are some that are of the sand of the sea. I think we're better. <laughs> I'm just having fun with you. <laughs> just having some fun. Well, I don't know. I, you know, stars in heaven, aren't they better? <laughs> so if, if you too are a Gentile believer, then you're brought in. You're one of the stars of the heavens. Glory to God. Not a sand of the sea. But there's a natural race and there's a spiritual race. 
I don't know, maybe those folks that were the natural Israel got born again believers, maybe they're part of the, nat- the uh, sand of the sea and the stars of the heaven. <laughs> so they're the, they'll say, we're better, we're both. <laughs> they might be right, huh? <laughs> but anyway, there's two different races there. There's those that are the natural race and those that are the spiritual race. But this is talking about the Abrahamic covenant, the seed of Abraham. That's the first covenant, talking about the seed. The second is the Palestinian covenant. This is the promised land, the land of Canaan. In Genesis chapter 13, And the Lord said to Abram, After Lot had separated from him, Lift up your eyes now and look from the place where you are, northward, southward, eastward, and westward. For all the land which you see I give to you and your descendants forever. And I will make your descendants as the dust of the earth, so that if a man could number the dust of the earth, then your descendants could be numbered. Well, now we got dust involved in there too. But that's still of the earth. That's still of the earth. <laughs> uh, we're still part of heaven. The stars of the heaven. <laughs> Glory to God. But see, this beside the promise of the descendants, then he gave them a promise of the land. Where you are right now, I want you to look north, I want you to look south. I want you to look west, I want you to look east. I give it all to you. That's the second covenant. It's the covenant of Palestine, the Palestinian covenant. That Palestine, that they will have this land, the land of Canaan. It will be theirs. The third one is the Davidic covenant. This is the promised king, Messiah, to come through David. This is in 2 Samuel 7 and other places you'll find it as well, where the, the, the seed of the woman, which is first called, is then going to be said to be the seed of, of uh, David. That the Lord promised David, you will never lack for one to sit on the throne. And that was going to be fulfilled in Jesus Christ when he would come and establish that Davidic king, king uh, throne forever. That Jesus was going to come from, from the Davidic line. So this is the third covenant. The fourth covenant is the new covenant. In Ezekiel chapter 11, verse 17, Therefore say, Thus says the Lord, I will gather you from the peoples, assemble you from the countries where you have been scattered, and I will give you the land of Israel. And they will go there, and they will take away all its detestable things and all its abominations from there. Then I will give them one heart. It's all gone. It switched over on me. Then I will give them one heart and I will put a new spirit within them and take the stony heart out of their flesh and give them a heart of flesh that they may walk in my statutes and keep my judgments and do them and they shall be my people and I will be their God. Ezekiel thirty-six twenty-three, And I will sanctify my great name which has been profaned among the nations which you have profaned in their midst and the nations shall know that I am the Lord. Thus says the Lord God. When I am hallowed in you, in you before their eyes. For I will take you from among the nations, gather you out of all countries, and bring you into your own land. Then I will sprinkle clean water on you, and you shall be clean. And I will cleanse you from all your filthiness and from all your idols. And I will give you a new heart and put a new spirit within you. And I will take the heart of stone out of your flesh and give you a heart of flesh. And I will put my spirit within you and cause you to walk in my statutes, and you will keep my judgments and do them. Then you shall dwell... In the land that I gave you, remember the promise, the covenant, that I gave you your fathers and you shall be my people and I will be your God. I will deliver you from all your uncleanness and I will call for the grain and multiply it and bring no famine upon you. And I will multiply the fruit of your trees and increase your fields so that you never again bear the reproach of famine among the nations. So this is talking about Israel, how they're going to be called from all the parts of the land. 
and, and they did that after World War II. They were all brought into the, into the land of Israel and they made a new nation. And they, they said Israel will, will be here. And it was a barren land. Israel was a land no one wanted. It was barren. Didn't bear, nothing grew. It was hard to work that land. Hardly anybody lived there because there was hardly any food. And then Israel took it over and something happened. And stuff began to bear fruit. And trees began to bear all kinds of fruit and things grew and all sorts of stuff. And now that place bears more fruit. <laughs> they, they grow all kinds of food. Just good stuff happens over and there. And this is what's prophesied by Ezekiel a long, long, long time ago. Ezekiel has some of the greatest prophecies, some of the best prophecies in all of the Bible. I'll tell you what, the stuff that he prophesied for. But he said, I will call you from all these places, all these other nations. I'm going to bring you back together. And then it's going to happen. And I'm going to give you a heart, not a stony heart, but a heart of flesh, a soft heart, which is exactly what Jesus taught about. You have hard hearts, you have soft hearts. You are of the new covenant, you are not of the new covenant. When you are of the new covenant, you leave the hard-heartedness and you become soft-hearted. And that's what he's talking about. And that's the fourth covenant, the new covenant. The new covenant that is ushered in by Jesus Christ. That uh, he's, he's going to come in and give us, make, uh, make all things new. That because of Jesus Christ, because of his blood that was shed for us, no longer does the blood of bulls, bulls and goats cover up sin, but sin's been done away with. And we can be changed. Glory to God. Well, it says we are not. We, Paul writing to the Ephesians, he says, we are not to be strangers to the covenants. So we read over these covenants and this is for the covenants of Israel, but we're not, we're not to be strangers of them. The first off, we are part of the Abrahamic covenant. In Galatians 3, verse 29, And if you are Christ, then you are Abraham's seed and heirs according to the promise. There's the first covenant. In Revelation 20, verse 6, Blessed and holy is he who has part in the first resurrection over such the second power. The second death has no power. But they shall be priests of God and of Christ and shall reign with Him a thousand years. Where are we going to reign with Christ for a thousand years? Specifically. Where does the New Jerusalem come down to? Where does Christ reign from? Jerusalem, which is in part of Palestine. So we're going to be brought into the Palestinian covenant, aren't we? We are going to, we are going to rule and reign with Him. Again, Revelations chapter 20. Blessed and holy is He who is part of the first resurrection over such a second death has no power. But they shall be priests of God and of Christ and then shall reign with Him a thousand years. Are we not going to reign with Him for a thousand years? Then we are part of this as well. In the Davidic line, for Jesus is our King. Is, is not Jesus our King? It's He's not just Israel's king, he's our king, right? Yeah. Then we're part of the Davidic covenant. In the new covenant, are not we those who receive a new heart? Then we're not, then are we not part of the fourth covenant? The new covenant. So all four of these covenants we are part of. And he says, don't be strangers of the covenants. Learn them. Understand them. And be part of them. But now in, in Christ, <laughs> he finishes this part of it off. But now, in Christ Jesus, you who were once far off have been brought near by the blood of Christ. 
You who were once far off have been brought near by the blood of Christ. Glory to God. We have been brought near. Ephesians 2, verse 14. For He Himself is our peace, who has made both one. What both? Now, before you go over to Gentile and Jew, Jesus Christ did not come to make Jew and Gentile one, did He? He came to make God and man one. What God is saying is, you quit all this stuff with all these different groups of men and such. No, I came to make God and man one. For He Himself is our peace, who has made both one and has broken down the middle wall of separation, having abolished in His flesh the enmity that is the law of the commandments contained in ordinances so as to create in Himself one new man from the two, thus making peace. So we are both both one. We're both God and man are brought together. Both God, that we would be united with God. Now, it doesn't mean that we become God. It just means that we're united. Before there was a barrier, there was a separation. And that He might, verse 16, and that He might reconcile them both to God in one body through the cross, thereby putting to death the enmity. And that He might reconcile them both to God. Going back to verse 14 again. For He Himself is our peace who has made both one and has broken down the middle wall of separation, having abolished in His flesh the enmity that is the law of the commandments contained in ordinances so as to create in Himself one new man from the two, thus making peace. And that He might reconcile them both to God in one body through the cross, thereby putting to death the enmity. And He came and preached peace to you who are far off and to those who were near. For through Him... We both have access by one Spirit to the Father. For through Him, we both, who both? Those that are far and those that are near. Those that are far and those that are near. Now, if in order to bring unity between God and man, He says we've got to take those who are far and those who are near. Which one is better? doesn't matter. If you are far away from being saved in the knowledge of God, or if you are near, you're still not saved, are you? You're still not brought, you're still not brought into unity. Is one better than the other? No. <laughs> no. Now, sometimes Jesus would, or, or uh, I forget, uh, I guess between both of them, they, they both did, they would make a case that if you are far away, you know, Jesus would say, I'd rather you be hot or cold. Because you're lukewarm, you know, if you're, you're getting close, but you're not there, it's tough to get you over. So maybe it's, it's good not to be near, far away is better because you're cold, if you were looking at it that way. But it doesn't matter whether you are Gentile, far away, or Jew, near. He's bringing all of us together to bring us into that unity with God. Because Jesus Christ is the propitiation for our sin. He is the mediator. He is the one that stands between us and God. But in the us part, it doesn't matter if the us is some of us far away or close by. We all missed it. We're not there. But He Himself is our peace. The barrier that was between all men and God. 
Didn't matter what color. Didn't matter where they were born. Didn't matter circumcised or uncircumcised. Didn't matter Jew or Gentile. All. whole bunch of them. But Jesus abolished it. Now notice this. The word here abolished it. It means that Jesus wiped it out. This word means that Jesus wiped it out. He did not build a bridge over it. He wiped it out. The Word of God teaches us that Jesus came to fulfill the law. Matthew 5.17 Do not think that I came to destroy the law or the prophets. I did not come to destroy, but to fulfill. Galatians 3, verse 24 Therefore the law was our tutor to bring us to Christ that we might be justified by faith, but after faith has come, we are no longer under a tutor. So, there is a fulfillment of the law. I heard one person use this example. That uh, summer does not destroy spring. It fulfills it. When summer has come, spring is gone. But summer is the fulfillment of spring. Because spring you have the, the buds on the trees. How many of you have seen the buds on the trees? Glory to God, there are buds on the trees. <laughs> the grass is turning green, which means we'll have to cut it soon. But glory to God, the grass is turning green. It's not brown anymore. It's turning green. And bulbs, they're coming up. This is spring. The birds are flying back. They're not all here yet, but they're flying. They're on their way. They're flying back. Things are waking up. Things are, are going on. But summer is the fulfillment of spring. I have often said, if you've you know, heard me talk about the seasons, I have often said summer is my favorite scene, season. And I found out today that's because I'm more spiritual than most people. I didn't know that before. I just thought, you know, <laughs> no, nah, I'm just having fun with you. <laughs> I do still like summer better. I love spring. But, oh, summer is on the way. Love the summer. You know, in the spring, you're not going to go in the ocean and jump the waves. You're not going to go in there and ride the waves. and not going to do that in the spring. Some people might. But I can't see that they're enjoying themselves. But some people might. Well, I'm waiting for that water to at least get up to 65. At least get up to 65. <laughs> oh, the summer fulfills the spring. Uh, adulthood does not destroy childhood. It fulfills it. When you become an adult, your childhood is not demolished. It's not, it's not gone. You still remember it, don't you? But as an adult, you don't act like a child. You grew out of that. But you remember it. How many of you remember stories of, of when you were kids and, oh, how that shaped you, how, did, how that did things? Jesus did not come to abolish the law. He came to fulfill it. But the barrier that was between us and God, He abolished that. He destroyed that one. He has reconciled both Jew and Gentile. Those afar off and those who are near. But both are not in. We're not in. We're, I got some far away, some closer. I mean, I often heard that, that phrase. Close only counts in horseshoes and grenades. You know, if you throw a grenade at somebody and you get close, it'll count. If you throw horseshoes and you don't quite get the ringer, but you get close, doesn't it count? But in golf, if you get close, it don't count. In football, if you get close, 
It don't count. <laughs> well, I only missed the field goal by an inch. It don't count. In basketball, if you got close to the hoop, it don't count. You got to get in. Verse 19, now therefore, you are no longer strangers and foreigners. You are no, he's writing to both Gentiles and Jewish believers. You are no longer strangers and foreigners. So why are we acting like them? Why are we coming before the throne room of God acting like a stranger and a foreigner? He says, no, you're no longer strangers and foreigners, but fellow citizens with the saints and members of the household of God. I'll tell you what, some people better get this into their understanding. There is one household of God. It will be made up of Baptist folks, Methodist folks, Catholic folks, Jewish folks, full gospel folks, even assembly of God folks. <laughs> they're, they're all going to get in. Now, not everybody in those groups is going to get in, but I'll guarantee you some of them are. Some might have less representatives than others. But it doesn't matter what group you're in. What matters is that you got the right, that you got the right, that by faith, through grace, by faith, that you got saved. That's what matters. It don't matter whether you're involved with this church or part of this country or have this belief. There are going to be people in the household of God who believe in the gifts of the Spirit. And there's going to be those who don't. There are going to be those in the household of God who while they were on the earth spoke in tongues. And there are going to be those who did not. There are going to be those in the household of God who believe in healing for today. And those who do not might have even died sick. Because the household of God is not made up of people who believe in healing, believe in the gifts of the Spirit. They're made up of people who believe in Jesus Christ as their Savior. That's going to make you part of the household of God. And we're fellow citizens with the saints and members of the household of God. No longer strangers and foreigners. We are fellow citizens with the saints and members of the household of God. And yet while we're here on the earth, how many of us of the members of the household of God are sitting there fighting with each other over what color the drapes ought to be or how the door ought to open or all kinds of other crazy stuff? It's not stuff that we need. We are fellow citizens with the saints and members of the household of God. There's people around the corner worshiping God in a different way. And they're still saved. Maybe they're not enjoying some of the benefits that God has provided through the Word of God that you may have learned about. But thank God they're still saved. Going on. Let's make sure we treat them as households, members of the household of God. Saints. And not something less than that. But we are fellow citizens with the saints and members of the household of God. Having been built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets. What he's talking about here is the things old and the things new. 
The things of the apostles or the things of the new? Because there were no apostles in the Old Testament. Name an apostle from the Old Testament. None. Apostle is a New Testament office. But prophet, there's some New Testament prophets, but there's some Old Testament prophets. We learn some things from them. Have been built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets. Jesus Christ himself being the chief cornerstone. Well, part of the foundation is the apostles and the prophets. And Jesus Christ is part of that chief. He's the chief cornerstone. That's our foundation. If we're going to start picking on the apostles and prophets, the foundation, and the people out there that do. That's the foundation. We've got to make sure that we don't, we don't pick on the foundation. Don't pick on the foundation. Foundation's important. You need it. We need it. I told you that, you know, I, I save a lot of, of stuff from college days, of uh, books and things like that that were, that were there. But the books that they gave me, they were by authors who did not accept that Jesus Christ's Word of God was inspired by God 100%. If they did not believe that, 100% inspired by God, if they believed that parts were, I threw out their book. I didn't resell it. I threw it out. I just destroyed it. I got rid of it. I kept it for the class, got through the class, but then got rid of it. I don't want to meditate on anyone who does not believe that the entire Word of God is inspired by God. Because I'm going to study it as, is, as though it is the Word of God, as it is true. Because too many of these folks in seminary and big you know, learning institutions want to teach you how to doubt God, how to pick apart the Word of God, which parts you ought to believe and which parts you ought not to believe. That's garbage. If it's written in the Word of God, let's believe it. That's not, I mean, who are we to say? Who, are we to, who, who am I to pick out? Well, this part, I don't like Galatians. Now, I don't, I don't agree with Galatians, so I'm not going to... Now, who am I? If we don't understand part of the Word of God, then it's a, a lack on our part. Father God, I don't understand why this is in the Bible. So you've got to help me understand it. Got to help you understand it. Don't attack the foundation. The apostles and prophets, the Old and New Testament. These are things that are foundation. Make sure that you accept it as such. If people, you're running into someone who does not accept, well, I don't know about that Old Testament stuff. We don't need that Old Testament. We're in the New. See ya. Goodbye. I don't, I don't even know what the rest of his had to say. I won't listen to him. Won't do it. Because they're, they have the understanding, well, it's not all the scriptures inspired by God. But the New Testament says that all Scripture is inspired by God and profitable for doctrine. It means I can learn from it. I need to learn. All of it. That's the only thing that will cause me to throw something, out, throw something out from somebody. I've told you I've listened to people who rip charismatics up one side and down the other. Full gospel churches, people who believe in the gifts of the Spirit, rip them up. You know, some of the, my favorite authors I have on the, on the Greek and the New Testament despise prophetic offering. Uh, prophetic utterances. Despise them. Don't feel that they're for today. They don't discount the Scripture. If they did that, I'd have to throw them out. But they don't believe in these things for today. They believe that they were in the Word of God and they believe that, but they don't believe they're for today. Well, that's, I'll, I'll get by that. We're different on, on beliefs. That's fine. I don't have to go around speaking ill of them. But if they want to say, well, I don't believe in the gifts for today, so I'll have to discount all 1 Corinthians. Just knock it out. Well, that's, we'll see you. We don't need that. 
But just because we differ on, on doctrine, I still can glean something from them. And we'll, we'll pick up what we can. But we don't need to go around talking poorly about other believers, other saints that are, are working for the kingdom of God. That's not stuff that we need. Having been built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Jesus Christ himself being the chief cornerstone in whom the whole building being joined together grows into a holy temple in the Lord. Boy, that's a whole different picture than we have today, isn't it? We don't seem to be too knit together, joined together, growing together into a holy temple. But that's what he wants. That's what he sees. Jesus Christ, the chief cornerstone in whom the whole building being joined together grows into a holy temple in the Lord. We just need to be doing more joining together. And less of this fighting and fussing. And well, you don't believe in the gifts of the Spirit. Well, you don't believe in healing. I'll see you later. Go around talking about everybody. Making sure nobody else believes and goes, goes near them or whatever. No, we don't need to do that. Don't need to do that at all. We can enjoy the different brethren that are around. There are some people out there doing all kinds of good. Getting people born again and saved. And, and don't believe in Jesus Christ as the healer. Well, I wish that they would believe in Jesus Christ as the healer because it's part of the Bible. It's part of what, what is taught there. They, just, they don't have the understanding of that. Their eyes are, are darkened. But they still get people born again. There's people out there that believe in a pre, post, or mid-tribulation. But they're still getting people saved. So that's good. We can differ on some, some doctrinal issues, but comes right down to it. Jesus Christ is Lord. And salvation is by faith, grace, working together. In whom you also being built together for a dwelling place of God in the Spirit. We are being built together for a dwelling place of God. And that's how we need to begin to look at each other. Oh, not just people in this church, but people in other churches. Believers all over. We are being built together for the dwelling place of God. So as soon as we become resistant to the building together, we are in effect working against God. That's why we don't need to sit there wasting time. These ministries who have made their point to rip and tear down other ministers are working against God. And they shouldn't do it. Paul worked against God for a while. But God... Straighten him out, and he straightened himself out after that. He said, all right, we're not going to go that way anymore. Hopefully some of these other people will do that as well. We're all part of the household of God. We are part of the household of God. That's what he's getting here to tell us. Understand what the covenants mean for us. Understand that we are part of all four of those covenants. We're part of the Abrahamic covenant. We're part of his seed. Therefore, we have the blessings that are bestowed upon the seed of Abraham. We're going to be rolling and reigning from Palestine. Land of Canaan. The promised land. We will be ruling and reigning with him. Glory to God. We are part of the Davidic covenant. Jesus Christ is our king. We are part of the new covenant. We have a heart that is soft. A heart of flesh. A heart, not a stony heart. Not a hard heart. But a heart that receives. That's who we are. And we are being fitted together, growing together, built together for a dwelling place of God. God wants to dwell not just in us individually,
but collectively as a whole. The foundation of this building is the apostles and the prophets. And on the basis of that foundation, we are being built and we are growing together. Glory be to God. Father, we thank you for the picture that you give us, that we are being grown together. We are being joined together. That we understand the covenants that are there. Jesus Christ has come to make the wall of division between God and man abolished, gone away with. Then that these things that go on between men, that we're divided because of this and we're divided because of that, oh, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter if we were near or far. God has brought us all together. He'll catch us all up. If you were near and only had a little bit further to go to get to the truth, He'll help you with that. If you were far away and had a long way to get there, He'd help you with that. It don't matter to God whether you are near or whether you are far. He will bring you the rest of the way. But it seems that on our own, all we can do is get either near or far. If we can't get there all the way. But the Jesus Christ brings us in the rest of the way. We thank You for that. We owe it to Him. So Father, we want to look at the household of faith. The household of God that we are members of. Glory to God. Not to be thinking ill, talking down, behaving rudely, badly towards those that are believers, those that are of the household of faith. Father, to look at them as members of one another. That we are citizens of your kingdom. We fellowship with all the other saints and members of the household of God. We thank you for it. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen.